What are the most amazing running and hiking routes in the world? Who did them and how fast? Welcome to the exciting new world of fastest known time, commonly known as FKTs. This podcast is produced by fastestknowntime.com, a website where you find out what's new and cool, plus track FKT efforts taking place right now. On this podcast, we'll meet the remarkable athletes who have established some of the best FKTs, ask them how they did it, and find out what it means to them. And we won't waste any of your time. The Fastest Known Podcast delivers great info to you in just 30 minutes so you can get back to your run, which of course is more important. Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast, where for 30 minutes we talk to really interesting people. This time it's Candace Burt. Welcome, Candace. Thanks for having me, Buzz. Now, are you... You've been to us in Boulder. It's really fun meeting you here a number of years ago, but now we're online. Are you speaking to us from Leavenworth, Washington, or from Moab? I am speaking to you from Moab, Utah. I'm organizing a 240-mile foot race uh, around the desert and up in the mountains, and it starts on Friday. So uh, we're organizing all sorts of stuff right now. Well, 240 mile race would take a degree of organization, so we're, we're, we'll, we'll keep us we'll keep this conversation moving quickly. And of course, you are well known for uh, uh, two FKTs, both on the Wonderland Trail. The most recent time was just this August 30th, and we're going to come back to that. But right now, since you're in Moab, you're also known as being the inventor, literally, of the 200 mile trail race. Yes, that is that is true. Um, although there have been long races like um, 200, 500 miles, stuff like that, they have always been um, in the U.S. They've always been repetitive um, courses. So you would do like a 10 mile loop or something like that, um, or a timed event. But I wanted to create something that long, 200 miles, that was. Um, more of an adventure and exploration of an area. And so um, I started with the Tahoe 200 and that fully circumnavigates Lake Tahoe in Nevada and California on um, the Tahoe Rim Trail and a bunch of other trails to make a 205 mile route through the mountains. So um, it's pretty cool. And now I have three, three 200 mile races that I organized in less than three months. So we're on race number three. Um, We did one in Washington state that was point to point. That's probably the hardest to organize. And then Tahoe 200 was the biggest with 250 runners. Pretty amazing number for uh, a 200 mile race. And now the Moab 240, which is a little over 200, <laughs> just happens to be a little long. And um, yeah, so after this, we called the Triple Crown of 200. Oh, my word. Now, now in no laps, no laps. This is like either a point to point or one giant loop. Yes. Good for yes, you. Exactly. Now, is anybody going to do the Triple Crown? Amazingly, we had 36 people start it, um, signed up for all three races, and now we have 24 still going. It's um, amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah, 24 people um, seems like a lot to me. I, I concur. <laughs> and, and they're coming, <laughs> yeah. uh, coming close in succession, too. These aren't six months apart. Right. It's true. Yeah, there. Um, all three races happen in um, 
roughly three months, but just under um, if you count when they start the Moab 240. And so, yeah, they, they start August um, 9th or 10th, or I think it was 10th this year and was the Bigfoot 200. And then um, September 7th was the Tahoe 200. And now October 12th is the Moab 240. So they really pack them in and they have to, to recover between events um, and start up again. But these the, the kind of runners who are tackling the Triple Crown are looking for a new challenge. They're, they're pretty experienced ultra runners or adventurers or, um, you know, unique individuals. They, they all have a story for sure. Well, they'll have more stories after this. <laughs> yeah, well, that is true. Well, congratulations, <laughs> August 30th, the Wonderland Trail. Uh, 28 hours, 45 minutes, 31 seconds. Now, this is the second time you've done it. Uh, you bettered your 2012 effort by about three and a half hours. And last year's effort by Allison Mallory by about 30 minutes. And you did it yes. uh, unsupported and solo. Yes, um, it was, once again, an amazing experience. I, I don't think you can circumnavigate Mount Rainier without having a pretty special experience in lots of different ways, <laughs> both um, joyous and, and painful and um, scary all at the same time. I, I really just love the challenge of doing it solo and carrying everything I need for the whole route. It makes it more of an adventure, I think, to know that you're just relying on yourself and what you have in your pack is all you've got. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I just, I just keep feeling like I could do a little better out there. I still feel that way, but, um, it was really nice to be able to run the route and, um, get pretty solidly under 30 hours this time. Yes. Now, I, listeners can always go to fastestknowntime.com and read the history. It's, it's the website's really fun. It's a really good place to go get ideas and when one goes to to the Wonderland Trail site route on the website, we notice that you are the only female to have done the Wonderland Trail unsupported and solo, while eight males have done the same thing unsupported. So what's what's yes. up with that? Uh, what do you how do you feel about that? It's disappointing to me. I think that more women don't try to do the route um, solo. I think there's a cultural thing there with um women you know bringing well you know women women going with other people and we're also um maybe more social in some ways i think women can be a little more social and, and want to go with a friend or want to go um with a partner something like that but i i just really think that if women tried it they would find um find it to be a really special experience to do that route solo. And I think if you're going for an unsupported record um, to do it with, with a partner, even if they're going for the record as well, just isn't is tough. You know, it's not as um, when you have somebody to rely on, when you have somebody to help you follow the route, um, it's just not as unsupported in my opinion as doing it solo. So I sort of wanted to go a little more like the pure unsupported route um, and I was willing to deal with some fears around being alone at night. I mean, that was really the main thing was getting over a little bit of fear of wild animals, which I've seen plenty out there. <laughs> well, we, we note that in, in 2012, 
at night alone, you saw two bears and two mountain lions. Yes, yes. And I was really hoping I wouldn't see any this time. <laughs> and I was lucky enough. I'm, I know they're out there. Um, there's quite a few in the Mount Rainier area. It's, it's um, documented, not just from my experience, but lots of experiences. Um, but animals, you know, they, they don't really want to bother us most of the time. So as long as we just stay courageous and keep going. And um, I, for me, as a safety thing, I, um, you know, just made sure to, to be strong. And um, luckily, I'm not like a really short person. I think it would be a little scarier to be really small on that trail alone at night. But I think um, they, they really, the mountain lions, they want the deer, you know, they don't want uh, to go after a human. But it still is a little scary to see them in person. You, you really, you see them and they, they look like predators, no doubt about it. You don't feel like the top of the food chain um, in the middle of the night alone <laughs> seeing one of those big cats. Well, Candace, let's stay with this for a second. You have said that in 2012, it was an extremely frightening and life-changing encounter. You mentioned the word traumatized, and you went back on purpose to the same place and to the same conditions to face your fears? Yes. um, I felt like it would, on sort of a deeper level, it would help me um, to just to go back there and to have an experience whether it was scary again and you know seeing the animals again or or not um I guess it was just something I felt like I needed to face myself and also knowing that I had taken the wrong um like I'd taken some wrong trails when I was running in 2012 um and I'd gotten a little lost that I probably lost a few hours just doing that so I felt like there was room for improvement and on top of it um I wanted to know that I could do it by myself again, um, even though I felt fear. Because I think a lot of us, I mean, we all find, feel fear, um, most most of us daily about this or that. And to know that we can push through that and, and still sort of accomplish our goals is a powerful thing to um, take with you throughout your life, to know that you can reach those um, scary goals. Because I think we all have things we want to do. And doing it, uh, doing an FKT allows you to confront that more directly. In a race, someone's going to say, show up at this time, this date, do this course. If you get into any trouble, let us know and we'll haul your sorry butt out of there. Well, alone <laughs> on the Wonderland Trail, not so much. It is just you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel fear in races. There's a lot of people around me. Um, there's, there's always a backup plan. Um, so if you stopped on the trail, eventually somebody would come. It's not like you're alone. Whereas, you know, at night, I'm on the Wonderland Trail in the middle of nowhere. I'm pushing through bushes. Like, I feel like I'm, like, climbing up this hillside on my, my hands almost so steep. And you're just so – it's such an intimate experience with the mountain, so much more so than in a race, because you are relying on, on that mountain, on that route, on yourself. Um, and a race just can't quite match that. I think that's why I enjoy races and FKT routes. It motivates me to go out and to complete the route because I'm going for a time and I love trying to go fast. But at the same time, I get the peace of, of being alone and the challenge of um, pushing myself in that kind of environment without a backup plan. Well, well said. Now, you... 
You learned from 2012 this last year, and you wore the Ultimate Direction FKT vest, which is aptly named for this circumstance, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you put I, I, uh, well, 22 pounds in it. Now I have to ask, what <laughs> constituted 22 pounds? Well, that's a great question. I think um, <laughs> it's amazing when you start putting in the gear you think is essential. Uh, it's amazing how heavy something can get. And I went through that pack a few times just trying to take out anything I could. But because I was going so low, I really want to make sure I had um, – some backup stuff that I probably wouldn't need. So I had um, I had three headlamps. Mm. I didn't want to lose light on the trail. And I had um, backup batteries for all three. I had uh, a rain jacket. Um, so I brought like a hardcore rain jacket, um, one that would stand anything, um, as well as I have the older version, Ultimate Direction. I think the first version that that you guys came out with the um, jacket. jacket as well. Yeah. 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 So I brought that as, <laughs> as well. I had a long sleeve shirt. Um, I had a, uh, like r rain pants that fold up real small. Um, so I basically had like a whole extra set of clothing. If I were to break my leg on the trail, I could have put all that clothing on and survived the night. Um, even if it got pretty cold. So I had that. And then I had, um, I had quite a few calories, um, and I ended up bringing some real food. So I had six sandwiches. Those get pretty heavy. Um, I had some water bottles and a filter bottle that I didn't end up really using the filter bottle much because it, it just took too much time. Even though it's like you fill it up in the stream, but then I'd have to come back and fill up a water bottle um, so they would fit in in the front of the pack. So, um Oh, and then I had three GPS devices because I wanted to record the whole route um, and have like a backup recording device and one that had like a better kind of a map on it. So, so I had, um, I just had quite a, quite a bit of stuff. Um, but I, I do think if you want to be safe out there, um, I just wasn't willing to risk not having those, that clothing and, um, and the lights then I, I probably could have traveled a little lighter, but I just um, wanted to be safe in, in that way. So excellent. yeah, I carried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good call. That's an excellent description, Candace. And I think sometimes we see, particularly in races, people going out there with as little as they can. It almost seems to be a little sub-competition of how light can you go. And then the weather gets bad and they're freezing and they have to DNF. And you went the opposite direction. Like you said, if you sprained an ankle and went down, you were going to survive the night. And I think that rather yeah. than being dumb, that was being smart. And the uh, headlamps mean if something goes wrong, you know, out there on that trail, if you lose light, you come to a stop. You're on your hands and knees. You can't go forward. So good call. That it's makes a true. lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. The headlamp thing too. I've I've read a lot of other people's reports out on that trail, and there's something weird about the Wonderland where people's headlamps have gone out and they've been stuck without a light out there. Um, I mean, that's just the worst. You and if you have to stay in one spot, you're going to start getting cold. So, yeah, three three headlamps to me was sort of a minimum. Nice, and of course, that's where a lot of the weight came from: is the gear, the head, the hardware, and the batteries. Yeah. Um, did you carry bear spray? 
No, no. Um, I don't. The the kind of bears that are that are on Mount Rainier um, aren't really dangerous. So um, I just I figure I'd just try to scare them away if I saw them. <laughs> okay. Or walk by quietly. Okay. One of the two. I, I we should note that your website is called Wild Defined. So anyone listening can go to Wild Defined as it's spelled dot com and read about Candace. And your byline here is stories of a wild human. Yes. Yeah, that'd be great. If they want to go visit and see and read my Wonderland report is up on there. Um, and you get you, so, can, you yeah. get a sense of how Candace would try to scare away the bear rather than the other way around. <laughs> yeah, they're running from me. <laughs> That's how it works. Well, here's a, another a tricky question, if you will, Candace. As a uh, woman running solo at night, are you more afraid of bears or humans? Um, usually humans. Yeah, I would say humans. Um, but def- luckily on the Wonderland Trail, everybody's sleeping. Um, so it was it was pretty non-eventful and pretty quiet. I didn't see a single human um, for probably like 12, 13 hours. It was crazy. That is crazy. That's terrific. And that's that's right there in it's Washington nice. State. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so more of humans, but here you, you felt solid. You felt solid out there at night. You had everything you needed, didn't need the bear spray. Um, what about what's next for you? Obviously, never mind the Moab 240. That's coming up this weekend. But after that, I should say, you're going to continue to race direct. And that's uh, with your company, Destination Trail LLC. And do you have any more FKT or personal projects coming up? Yes, um, too many, really. But um, I have scheduled in April, I'm going to go for the Arizona Trail. Um, The overall record is 15 hours, um, almost 16, I believe, 1522, or excuse me, 15 days, 22 hours. so I, I, I'm going to go for that in April. Um, and I actually might do that supported, um, because it is, it's 800 miles long and the overall record supported. So you really got to put in, um, quite a few miles a day to, to knock that one out. So I'm going to do that. And I still have on my radar, um, maybe next summer, the Tahoe Rim Trail, um, 170 miles around Tahoe. I, I have gone for it several times and I have failed. So it is, it's at the top of my list, but it just hasn't worked out for a while. Um, you know, 170 miles is just long enough that you, you really have to pick the right time and, and, and do it right. Right, right. And there's water on the way. So definitely the Arizona Trail going uh, supported, I think you said. That makes yes. sense. Uh, it's just too long. I mean, you can do it, obviously, Anish, Heather, that's how she does everything. That's how she did it. But uh, there's not a lot of water out there in Arizona, so this support could help. Yeah, that's true. That's going to be one of the the biggest challenges, and I probably won't do it. um, Like, there's different levels of support you can get, um, so I'll probably have people meet me at a few spots. It won't be, like, really supported, um, I, I enjoy that time alone, the solo time. So 
I'll have it just enough so that I don't have to work out logistics of picking up stuff in, in towns and stuff. But yeah, Anish, um, Heather Anderson is, is amazing. Um, her, yeah, her, her record is, is amazing considering she's going into towns or having to have drop spots. So you mentioned, I think the overall, because there currently there is no female, uh, supported record on the Arizona Trail. Michael Versteeg has the male supported of, like you said, 15 days, 22 hours. So you're, you're going to look at that time. Yes, definitely. Um, I'm going to go for that. Um, I'm going to try to do it in, in under um, two weeks, basically 14 ish days. So that'll be 13 to 14. will be my goal. Um, I think uh, for me, that's, looking at his record it looks like a hard push um but that that's what excites me and i always look at what what's the most interesting to me to go after and um so yeah i'm going to go after his awesome record that he when did he set that a couple of years ago i think yeah now? 16 mm-hmm. 2016 okay, yeah well Excellent. That's a worthy project in Tahoe Rim. Yeah. Uh, it's exciting. Yeah. Right. And you know that route. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The Tahoe <laughs> Rim Trail. Very, very well. <laughs> yeah. And that one, um, I, I'm, I'm interested in going unsupported for that, but trying, um, trying to get under 50 hours. So if I can, if I can plan it right, I think, um, Chrissy Mayo's record is doable unsupported. Um, that's 48 hours. It wouldn't be easy, but um, knowing the route as well as I do, it's possible. So we'll see. I need to make sure I'm in good shape for the summer, and um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And we'll probably leave uh, Killian's time alone, won't we, on that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's... Um, he his time is also beatable, but probably not by me. <laughs> yeah, definitely not by me. Definitely right. not. And of course, he had full support as they tend to do, one day fourteen hours. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, full support. I think if he came back, um, I believe he got off course as well. Um, even with full support, he could probably bring that record down. A lot of people. Have, tried to go after it a lot of a lot of guys have tried to go after it um so it'd be interesting to see if if that record wakes up again if people start to try to go after it well it's a great route and of course normally you don't have to worry about weather except for possible heat because it tends not to rain in the summer yeah it's pretty dry it's um it they can have thunderstorms um but depending on when you go you you wouldn't need the same kind of rain gear you'd need for for like the Wonderland Trail um, in Washington State, but Tahoe's definitely a lot drier in general. But it is in the mountains. It's um, it's also a lot longer route, so I think it would be smart to bring um, bring some cold weather gear just in case doing that route. Mm-hmm. And you uh, get to practice your sleep deprivation this coming weekend. Uh, race directing the Moab 240. So you're, right, you get in shape on the sleep deprivation game. Oh yeah, I mean it's been so one of the huge challenges doing the Wonderland Trail um, in August. I just come from organizing the Bigfoot 200, and really hadn't 
fully caught up on sleep um, after that. But we have the race itself um, that I organize is um, a five-day event, and you don't get a lot of sleep as an organizer. There's just a lot to do, and you've got to keep track of the runners. On We have live tracking maps and stuff, so we're doing a lot of communications and all that. So I, I thought, well, I'll go for the Wonderland Trail, and hopefully I won't get too tired because <laughs> I am a little tired. Um, but it worked out okay. I mean, luckily it's it's uh, roughly 100 miles, like 95 miles. So I think if it had been um, the Tower Rim Trail at that time, 170 miles, I would have had to take a nap. But um, I think that 100 mile distance is pretty fun to do as as an FKT. <laughs> well, we have our Type One, <laughs> Type Two, and Type Three fun, and glad you're keeping it up there, keeping it in the Type One fun category, Candice. Good job. <laughs> yeah, it's it probably sounds a little weird to call it fun, but um most of the time it is it is fun, but there's definitely a little number two, a little number three feeling kind of fun out there, <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, Courtney DeWalter from your inaugural Moab two forty last year had some of the best quotes ever, I think, which is repeating to herself over and over, I'm fine. This is fine. Keep going. Yeah. Um Courtney's amazing. She just smashed the course last year, um, 240 miles, and and she beat everybody by everybody, men, women, by 10 hours, um, and really didn't sleep much. It sounded like I talked to her. She said she slept 21 minutes, <laughs> and that the one minute she slept was the best of all of the 21 minutes she slept. <laughs> um, and then she ran um, she ran the Tahoe 200 this year also smashed the course record um and kyle Curtin beat her by about about 20 minutes but she led the race for um more than three quarters of of the way so and and they beat the overall record i think it was nine hours um and that record was definitely um a pretty tough one to beat but they got 40 they got under 50 hours for a 205 mile route yikes that would have been unheard of yeah. five or ten years ago. It would have, and and it's interesting because when I first started organizing these two hundred mile races, we had no idea what a good time was or a slow time was. You know, what's what's a fast? So it's it's really interesting to start to see in the two hundred mile distance we're setting these standards, and um, and now it's you know if you get under seventy hours in in one of these mountain two hundreds, it's like oh, oh that's a good runner, you know. And um, 100 hours is sort of the cutoff that we've come up with. I think you can still get a lot of back-of-the-pack people finishing. Um, but it it makes for two full days of um, people fin- coming into the finish line. So we don't get sleep for those days uh, as people are coming through to greet them on their massive finale. 100-hour cutoff time. Well, that sounds reasonable uh, in a certain sense. Candice, you've moved the sport. Congratulations. The sport is different because of you. Yeah, it's a, it's exciting. Um, I didn't realize that's what was going to happen when I made the Tahoe 200, but it's fun to see a new distance like that. It's really an adventure distance. I mean, you can't do 200 miles without having an adventure um, and really being out there for, for quite a while, even Courtney DeWalter. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty exciting to see that distance become a little more normalized well have fun this weekend and we'll have to have you back in this podcast next year 
after the Arizona Trail in April and the Tahoe Rim Trail in June or July. That sounds great. Thanks for having me on. I'll quote you as we sign off for this podcast from wilddefined.com. Be the mountain, be playful, be wild, be dangerous, but never, never be boring. Thanks. Appreciate it, Candace. Yeah, thank you guys. That was really fun. I hope you've gotten some good ideas for your next big run. Subscribe to this podcast so you can find out what's cool every week. It will be delivered to you each Friday. And definitely go to fastestknowntime.com to read the notes from this show and ask questions or make comments on what you've heard today. There are FKTs being reported daily that are incredible, but you maybe have never heard of them. So stay up on what is happening on this website and follow us on Twitter, the Gram, and Facebook. Many people have thanked us for this work, and you can too by clicking support this site at the bottom of the webpage. Tune in next Friday. It's going to be fast and good.